My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Reed Lodge and Mabel Wheeler. Transgender people are people whose gender identity does not match the gender they were assigned at birth. The range of ways of experiencing, identifying, and living gender within that is enormously broad, including, for some people, ways that push beyond the rigid binary that structures dominant understandings of gender. Trans people often experience severe social stigma and are at heightened risk of interpersonal violence, especially trans women, especially trans women of color. Trans people face barriers to accessing employment, housing, and other services, including healthcare services, and this is true in terms of gaining access to the gender confirmation surgery that can be an important part of transitioning for some trans people, but it is also a factor in accessing general health care. As well, getting state-issued identification that correctly communicates their gender can be a tremendously difficult process, and not having such ID can put people at risk. These things and more are true across the continent. But there is variation, and according to Reed Lodge and Mabel Wheeler, New Brunswick is one of the Canadian jurisdictions with the most work still to do. The province does not even have a major nonprofit that spans the entire LGBTQ acronym, let alone funded trans-specific services, so it can be incredibly difficult for trans people to find safe spaces, supportive professionals, or even other trans people to talk to. Also, New Brunswick has no human rights protection for trans people, and it is currently the only province that does not fund gender confirmation surgery through Medicare. On today's show, Lodge and Wheeler talk about two different grassroots groups through which trans people in New Brunswick are organizing collectively to survive and thrive. One is Fredericton Gender Minorities, which aims to support trans people, to create spaces for mutual aid and support, and to engage in educational community outreach. And the other is Transaction NB, a smaller group with a more explicitly activist orientation that engages directly and politically with questions of government policy, barriers to healthcare and services, and so on. Lodge and Wheeler speak with me about trans experiences in New Brunswick and about the work of Fredericton Gender Minorities and Transaction NB. We spoke by Skype from Fredericton. I'm Reed Lodge. I'm one of the co-chairs of Fredericton Gender Minorities. and um, been co-chair for about a year now. I'm Mabel Wheeler, and I'm also one of the co-chairs of Fredericton Gender Minorities. And what pronouns do you use? I use she, her, hers pronouns. And I use he pronouns. Fredericton Gender Minorities was started in 2012, and over the past couple years, we've really grown in size. We have a lot of regular members now, so it's kind of a central group for the trans community in Fredericton. For trans folk, there's no real support network in a lot of places, especially in New Brunswick. With where our healthcare is right now, 
basically we have a lot of officials and politicians and doctors saying that they disagree with our quote-unquote lifestyle. So that puts us in a really negative light for a lot of people, especially a lot of people who would be creating safe spaces for us to navigate through the world. So for a lot of trans people, they have to create their own support systems and their own support networks. And unfortunately, that's something that's really common, and it's also something that we had to do here in New Brunswick. Before the Ferguson Gender Minorities group got started up, we really didn't have any groups specifically for trans people in Fredericton. So a lot of people had been going to the university group Spectrum, which there are some really lovely people in Spectrum, but it's not a group that focuses on trans issues, and trans people in the group were having problems with other group members, and then there ended up being a very dangerous sort of assault situation, and we decided, okay, like, we really need to pull back and create our own space where we can talk about issues that affect us without being at the risk of cis people's opinions about us. So that was really one of the main reasons why the group itself got started up. And then as I personally got further into my own transition, I kept encountering a lot of the common barriers that other trans people face when they're trying to navigate name changes or gender marker changes or healthcare and other things like that. So I, as my own transition went on, got more and more involved in the group because I really felt like it was necessary that we started to address some of those problems. I actually wasn't one of the main people involved in setting the group up. I went to the first meeting, but it was a couple other people in the city who got the group together, and we were just using a space that was given to us for free by FSAC, the Fredericton Sexual Assault Crisis Center. So we met there a few times. The first year or two that the group was together, we didn't really meet regularly, and we didn't really have an organized system where we were trying to address specific problems with the government or anything. We were really just kind of getting together and figuring out what we even needed to address. Actually, when the group started, the aim was to explore different theoretical perspectives of gender and power dynamics within gender. So we did have a bit of a growing period where a lot of people in the group had some very different opinions from each other as to what was important to talk about and how they conceptualize power structures. So, yeah, like the initial discussions were around things like which trans people have power, how trans people may or may not be oppressed, really just general stuff like that and kind of exploring what other information was out there. Because for a lot of us, we really hadn't had the opportunity to talk about that with anyone else before. So... It took a while for us to settle into a group that was really specifically oriented around supporting trans people and helping trans people uh, to gain access to things that they might not have been able to locate on their own. After that initial realizing that we could create a community and getting to know each other, then we started to meet weekly and started to talk about how we could help trans people access healthcare or access name change information and stuff like that. So over the past two years, we've really grown a lot. So for listeners who maybe are new to some of these issues, lay out some of the barriers and challenges that are commonly experienced by trans people. One of the biggest things that comes to mind immediately is the healthcare barrier. 
especially in New Brunswick. So New Brunswick is the last province in Canada that does not cover gender confirmation surgery under healthcare. And gender confirmation surgery is extremely medically necessary, and having that barrier forces trans folk to move out, puts their lives in danger, greatly increases risks of all sorts of awful things that can happen to trans folk when they're not humanely properly treated. We're spending a lot of money at the government level treating trans folk in a way that's not really hitting the mark, right? So treating them when they come in after a suicide attempt or treating them at addictions after they self-medicate or treating them through our mental health care system when their mental health gets really bad because they haven't been treated. So that's one thing that's happening. Another thing that had happened is that our health minister, Victor Boudreau, had released a statement in the Telegraph Journal, which is a province-wide paper that we have here about doctors and trans folk. He said that doctors shouldn't have to treat trans people at all. They could refuse them service if they had a moral or religious discrepancy with their quote-unquote lifestyle. That put trans people in a really dangerous place as well, because now trans people were being denied healthcare at all, right? So there's a lot of things that happen with trans people in healthcare that they can't go to a hospital and get treated because they're mistreated because of the fact that they're trans, or they might not be treated at all and have to be bounced around from doctor to doctor, even if it's something that's really urgent. If you don't know about the Fredericton Gender Minority Group and you don't have anybody in your life who's trans and you try to navigate, say, Victoria Health, which is our mental health center, you almost always come across transphobia and mistreatment at the hospital. You almost always come across mistreatment. But if you need mental health care, you do have to go through Victoria. And I called them the other day, for example, and I said, here's my name. I left them a message two times with my name, and I introduced myself as Mabel on the phone. And he picks up, and he's calling me Mabel, and he's calling me Mabel, tells me to read off my Medicare number, and then starts calling me by my old name. And I explained to him, which I should not have to do, because it's something that's extremely difficult. I explained to him why it was inappropriate to call me by my old name or my dead name. And he was like, yes, okay, and continued to call me by my dead name. And so when he gave me an appointment, I said, I need a transpositive doctor so that I'm not mistreated. And he said, oh, don't worry, dead name. Nobody here would be transphobic. So he was being transphobic while telling me nobody was going to be transphobic, and then went on about how liberal the doctor that I was about to see was. So this kind of interaction can really make it seem like it's impossible to receive health care if you don't have insider connections and know who to go to and have, like, the yellow pages of trans-positive doctors that people have scoured for in the system, right? And if I wasn't at a place where I'm lucky to have some support, I have everybody at the Gender Minorities Group and read and this close-knit support that I made myself, I would have hung up the phone and I would have never gone to Victorian because that's not a good sign, right? I mean, just in terms of accessing transition-related care, we face a lot of barriers here, but we also face barriers, like Mabel was saying, accessing like emergency care or just general health-related care that doesn't have anything to do with our transition. And then if you experience a health problem that has to do with one of your reproductive organs and your chart says that you're trans, people have also been denied service based on that. So even if the surgery is for something like cancer or to remove a cyst or something, 
sometimes they still will be denied just because their chart says that they're trans. So apparently that means that any surgery that has to do with reproductive organs is transition related, according to Medicare. So that's another thing. And then on top of that, I mean, underemployment is already a problem in New Brunswick, but for trans people, it's definitely a lot worse. A lot of trans people can't find jobs here. We don't have human rights protections that protect trans people in employment or in housing. So trans people are also denied housing. It's really, in general, just a mess if you're a trans person in New Brunswick. Right. And all those things can stack up, so they also lead to poverty. And there's a cycle that comes along with that, right? And another thing on top of that is trans people have been refused service at stores, at just normal places doing normal things that don't have anything to do with their transition or their health or going through biostatistics. But another thing is that you need to have, quote-unquote, transsexual surgery in order to have your gender marker changed on your government-issued identification, which puts trans people in a really dangerous place because of the fact that if they are confronted by the police, there's a discrepancy. If they are buying alcohol or going to a club, they're outed, and maybe their identification looks nothing like them, so they can't get into the club. Or I traveled through an airport a little while ago, and I was searched numerous times because my body was a... What do they call it? Anomaly. Anomaly, yeah. It's it's quite funny at first, but then it happens over and over again, and you're like, oh, they actually think I'm an anomaly. These things are both dangerous and mentally taxing, right? So there's two things that go along with these, is that every single bad thing that happens to trans folk around our area, because they're trans, is bad initially because of what it does to them, or what it prohibits them from doing or accessing. But it's also terrible because every single time this happens, it's impacting their mental health. So given this dense cluster of issues and challenges and barriers, once the group decided that it wanted to start tackling them, how did you start? Recently, we've taken Fredericton gender minorities and gone more in a direction of making it a supportive space for trans people. So we don't actually have meetings with Fredericton gender minorities where we tell people to go out and do certain things in order to make change. Because a lot of the time, these people are already struggling so much just to keep up with their own lives and to get through what they're going through because of the barriers they face. Um, so really what we do with Fredericton gender minorities is we bring trans people together and encourage them to support each other. And a lot of the time that results in them feeling confident enough to go out into the community and do things on their own that are positive. And Mabel and AJ Ripley and Aaron Fredericks and I actually now also run Transaction, which is the more activist-focused group that we have here. It's a lot smaller, obviously. There's only four of us. and We release press releases that respond to government decisions that affect trans people, or we share news articles. And we also have been working with the NB Trans Health Network to meet with the Department of Health and talk about what can be done at a policy level to change things. What kinds of opportunities for support does Fredericton Gender Minorities offer? We have a lot of our meetings talk about the things that are commonly experienced by trans folk, and then also things that might help people get through more troubling times. And then there's just some fun meetings. Basically, we're trying to keep it very rounded so that everybody in the group always takes some sort of pick-me-up from the meeting. 
Because these struggles all do sound like a mouthful and a cluster and, you know, boy, that would be tough. But if it's every single day, like all the time, it gets really, really strenuous, right? So we talk a lot about like relationships and how to have proper relationships and like how to get through the winter because it's tough and, you know, how to take care of yourself and how to make sure that you're keeping up with yourself and doing things every day to make yourself feel good and taking care of yourself. A lot of that and then a lot of general conversation because, again, before this group came, a lot of trans folk didn't have a chance to talk to people about themselves or gender identity or just trans people in general. So we do have meetings that are about the effects of estrogen or the effects of testosterone and different things that allow people to be in their arena just for a couple hours. And again, sticking with Fredericton gender minorities for the moment... What's your sense of who you've managed to reach and of who in the community you maybe haven't managed to reach yet? Connecting with trans people, I'm kind of glad that you brought this up, is a big struggle, (laughs) especially because in New Brunswick, we don't even have any big LGBT-focused nonprofits. So connecting with anyone in that community is really difficult. And for a lot of people almost impossible if you're in a rural area and you don't have transportation or you don't have the internet or something like that. So we do have mostly younger people in our group right now. So people who are on the internet or on campus when events are happening or people who tend to participate in pride-centered events and stuff. So most of the people in the group are between high school age and their 30s. And connecting with older trans people is difficult. I think older trans people tend to be a lot more isolated than younger trans people because they're often not connecting over the internet. And also a lot of them just don't live in New Brunswick anymore. So it's hard to find like a centralized group of older people. And then also I think in terms of connecting with people, it would be great to connect with some more disabled trans people or trans people of color. New Brunswick overall is a fairly white province, but there is a large minority population in Fredericton. And of course, there are always disabled people as well. And I feel that their stories are not listened to or told as often as the more generic trans narratives. I think it takes a while to build up a relationship of trust with people in those communities so that you can work together. Tell me about transaction and about the decision to found a separate, more overtly political group. I was sort of struggling, and this was right around the time when Mabel became chairperson with me, with really wanting to do a lot more activism, but feeling like trying to drag other people in the gender minorities group into it might be a bit of an imposition on them, because I knew a lot of them were not coming to the group to be activists. They were coming to the group to connect with people who had similar experiences. So every time I would stress the need for activism, people would agree with me, but I know when they go home, sometimes they just don't have the energy to do that. And it was actually Erin's idea to start Transaction because I think she was kind of noticing from the outside this frustration that I was having. So she invited me and AJ to start up Transaction with her because AJ had been working on a documentary with Vice and doing a whole bunch of really cool activist work on their own. And then once I started working with Mabel on Frederick and Gender Minorities, I invited her to come join Transaction as well, because it seemed like she wanted to get involved with some of the things we were doing. 
So yeah, it just gave us the freedom to all go after activist-oriented activities because it was something we all really were passionate about. And then Fredericton gender minorities could still stay a safer, more supportive space that trans people could go to and not feel pressured to get involved with anything that they might not be able to. And I think we found a good spot with transaction because of the fact that CPAP, or Canadian Professional Association for Transgender Health, and the New Brunswick branch of that, they're amazing at what they do, and everybody there is amazing, but they seem to be extremely diplomatic and, you know, would never make a fuss. And I think a lot of the time, and this is just me speaking on my own behalf and not on transactions behalf, there is a little bit of a need to put a little bit of pressure on people's backs. So to hold them accountable, a lot of what we do is letting people know what's going on instead of just trying to get things done, which are two great approaches. And they have their own ways that they work and ways that they absolutely don't. So putting fire on people's backs often does not work. But holding people accountable and putting that pressure on, I think, is a lot of what transaction is good for and a lot of what we do. There's only four of us, so we're not organizing huge rallies or anything like that. But we are putting out public statements and we are organizing like art events where art that's been created by trans people is being shown. And so we are just putting the issue out for people to educate themselves, which is a really important thing. And also making sure people know when a politician is doing the opposite of what their job should be or what they've said that they're going to do. For both Fredericton Gender Minorities and Transaction, what scope has there been for building alliances or working relationships with other groups in Fredericton? It's actually been a really exciting year for us in terms of connecting with other groups. When we first started out, like I said, we were kind of small and we were kind of insular. We were really just talking amongst ourselves. But over the past year, we started to join up with some other groups on projects that have similar goals. So we've joined up with RJNB a few times. And RJNB stands for Reproductive Justice New Brunswick. Especially with Transaction, we work with RJNB. And they're really wonderful. They're fighting for uh, reproductive rights in New Brunswick right now, which is a really important issue that affects trans people as well. And we've also been working with the Fredericton Youth Feminists. So the Fredericton Youth Feminists is an amazing group of young people in Fredericton who are looking at issues like school dress code policies and gendered education, sex education, stuff like that. We've collaborated with them on a few events, and they hold a lot of fundraisers to kind of help us keep going with our activism. And we've also been working with different university groups and groups like FSAC. So we've been going in to give education sessions to groups like that who want to be more transpositive. We've been working with Grace House, the women's shelter here, about educating their staff about being transpositive and being open to taking trans residents. So we've done a lot of work over the past year talking with different groups and realizing what our collective struggles are. What's coming up for Fredericton Gender Minorities and Transaction NB? The budget was just released, and so we're at a really interesting place with Transaction. We're kind of all on the edge of our seats as to where we are with healthcare, and there could be a swap here soon. And by this, I think Mabel means a shuffle of the provincial cabinet. So Victor might not be in still, and that could mean a reset of all of our progress, which is 
really frightening, but at the same time, this could be a really good thing, and we don't know yet. So that's where we are right now. And then also with FGMG, I would love to have a more cohesive, tangible, written, for lack of better term, yellow pages of all the positive doctors and places that they can go to receive treatment that other people are receiving without hassle. That takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and we don't get paid to do this. We can't just throw ourselves into making perfect resources because we have to also pay to live. And so that's a little unfortunate. And we'd also love to have a better space that's open more than just once or twice a week. We have been working with a youth association that we're a part of to make that a reality. So I think we're looking in a lot of different arenas to set up, like, the bottom line is a safe, habitable, and navigatable Fredericton for trans folk. Yeah, and I mean not just Fredericton, but all of New Brunswick. I think that Fredericton Gen Minorities right now is really turning into a great space for trans people. And I've had a lot of people come to me and say how much the group has helped them. So really, I'm excited for that to keep going. I think it's important to let people know that if they want to help us out in any way, we're always looking for more people to get involved, more people to call attention to what's happening in New Brunswick. So you can look us up at Transaction MB or at Fredericton Gender Minorities on Facebook, and we'll definitely love to talk with you about how you can get involved. And there's also snail mail, paper mail, to the health minister really helps. For some reason, the only thing that does help our government doesn't count emails as interactions with the public, I guess. Yeah. Also, being a good ally, making sure trans people don't have to throw themselves in the line of fire in order to get the rights and the ease of living that everyone else has is really important. If you're not super keen on donating to someone in Fredericton, if you're listening from somewhere else, I suppose, then donating resources, so like binders or packers or any resource that trans people need is extremely important. And also donating money to local trans organizations so that they can get whatever resources they need to get for trans folk. Again, trans folk aren't very privileged and they often don't have money to buy things like breast forms that will help them to avoid being assaulted in public, right? So that's crucial. So just always staying on top of what's being released, always staying on top of where your city is and what's happening with trans rights, and just being like an informed and active ally is extremely important. You have been listening to my interview with Reed Lodge and Mabel Wheeler about the groups Fredericton Gender Minorities and Transaction NB. You can learn more about the former by going to fredericktongenderminorities.tumblr.com, and you can learn more about the latter by searching for Transaction NB on Facebook and Twitter. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.